We come this morning to our sixth lesson in the series, How to Really Love One Another. And our end objective is to sharpen our relationship skills to the point that what the Apostle Paul said of the church in Thessalonica could also be said of us here at Springville Naz. And that is, your faith is growing more and more. And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. As we've done each Sunday during this series, let's begin today's lesson with the key underlying principle that's the foundation to our current series of lessons on this life purpose of fellowship. And that is that when you come into a personal relationship with Christ, you come into a personal relationship with other Christians. Belonging to a local body or family of believers is as much a part of becoming a Christian as belonging to Christ Himself. God desires every Christ follower to be a functioning part of His church, partnering with others in an irresistible community where people discover and develop a life-changing relationship with Christ. How do we really love one another? So we've been working our way through some of the key one another commands in the New Testament. So far, we've taken a closer look at what it means to be members of one another, to be devoted to one another, to encourage one another, to submit to one another, and to forgive one another. And this morning, in a lesson I've entitled, How to Accept Those Who Are Different. We're going to zero in on yet another one, another command. It's found in today's text, Romans 15 and verse 7. Let's read it out loud together as we begin. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. How to accept those who are different. This morning, let's take an in-depth look at what the Bible has to teach us about accepting one another. Now before we work our way through Paul's words here in Romans 15, discover what it means exactly to accept one another. Let's just stop right here and let's ask God to clearly speak to us this morning. Would you pray with me? Father God, we pause right now to ask for Your help. You are the Master Teacher. We are Your disciples. We sit at Your feet and we're ready to hear what You have to say to us today. Instruct us. Change us. Transform us. Open our eyes that we would see. Open our ears that we would hear. Open our minds so that we can understand. Most of all, open our hearts that we would receive the seed of truth there, that it would be planted there, that it would grow, that it would flourish, that it would bear fruit to make a difference in our lives. Help us, O Lord, to love one another. Help us to learn how to accept those who are different, which is everybody. Help us to become more like You, Jesus. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, let's begin our Bible study by reading through this entire text, and then we'll break it down verse by verse and phrase by phrase. Follow along in your Bible. Romans 15, let me pick it up with verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. 
For even Christ did not please Himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on Me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Let's break this down a bit. Beginning with verses 1-3 through because they kind of all fit together. Again, look at them in your Bible. It says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Now notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase verses 1 through 3. William Barclay, If our faith is strong, it is our duty to accept the scruples of those those whose faith is not so strong as ours as part of the burden which we must carry. It is not our duty to consider only ourselves. It is our neighbor that each of us must consider. And our aim must be for his good and the upbuilding of his faith. For Christ certainly did not consider only himself. Far from it, the Scripture says, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell upon me. Living Bible. Even if we believe that it makes no difference to the Lord whether we do certain things, still, we cannot just go ahead and do them to please ourselves. For we must bear the burden of being considerate of the doubts and fears of others. Those who feel these things are wrong. Let's please the other fellow, not ourselves, and do what is for his good and thus build Him up in the Lord. Christ didn't please Himself. As the psalmist said, He came for the very purpose of suffering under the insults of those who were against the Lord. The message. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. I like that. Strength is for service, not Status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for Himself by avoiding people's trouble, but waded right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way the Scripture puts it. So what's the Apostle Paul driving at then here in verses 1-3? through Well, once again, as we have been emphasizing throughout this entire lesson series, living out the Christian life is not something that is just personal. Something that we do independently of others. No, the Christian life is meant to be lived out in community. It is something we do interdependently with others. Therefore, as we're growing and maturing our relationship with Christ, our focus should be to help others grow and mature as well. In fact, we should be so in tune with other believers around us that our primary concern should be for for their spiritual welfare. What will help them? What will build them up in their faith? And if there are any particular areas where they are weak, then we should be sensitive to those areas. 
and lend a helping hand. Which brings us then to verses 4-6. through six. Look at them again in your Bible. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, here's some way that some other versions translate or paraphrase these same verses. J.B. Phillips. For all those words which were written long ago are meant to teach us today that when we read in the Scriptures of the endurance of people and all the help that God gave them in those days, we may be encouraged to go on hoping in our own time. May the God who inspires people to endure and gives them a Father's care Give you a mind united toward one another because of your common loyalty to Jesus Christ. And then as one person, you will sing from the heart the praises of God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The message. Even if it was written in Scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us. God wants the combination of His steady, constant calling and His warm, personal counsel in Scripture to come to characterize us keeping us alert for whatever He will do next. May our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. Then we'll be a choir. Not our voices only, but our very lives, singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus. Man, I want to be a part of a church like that. Here in verses 4-6, through six, the Apostle Paul reminds us that God's track record of giving encouragement and endurance is well documented throughout the Bible. And therefore, we know we can trust God that He will still encourage us and help us to endure today, especially when it comes to the task of pursuing and preserving unity. This oneness that we've been talking about over these last seven weeks... It's not an easy goal for a local church like Springville Naz to attain or to maintain. But when a community of believers is of one heart and mind and voice together, God is indeed glorified. Not only in the church, but also out in the community and the world. This harmony, this unity is love. And it is the mark of a Christian. This love is what attracts unbelievers to Christ. Which then brings us to our key verse today, which is verse 7. Look at it again in your Bible. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Now again, notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase verse 7. The Amplified, Welcome and receive to your hearts one another then, even as Christ has welcomed and received you for the glory of God. The message. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it, now you do it. <coughs> J.B. Phillips. So open your hearts to one another just as Christ opened His heart to you. Then God will be glorified. Folks, this is the heart. This is the core of today's lesson. This is the essential truth in verse 7 that the Apostle Paul in fact intended to teach in all of chapters 14 and 15 here in Romans. 
Simply put, just as Christ has accepted us, so we are to accept one another. In fact, when we accept one another, then God is truly glorified and honored and praised. Well, that's a look at today's text. Romans 15, 1-7, which leads us then to draw some conclusions. How are these verses in today's text relevant to Springville Church of the Nazarene right now today? What are some specific ways that we can apply this command to accept one another to our lives, both as individuals and together as a congregation? So we consider how to accept those who are different. Let me divide our conclusions into two distinct categories this morning. First of all, I want to talk with you for a moment about the meaning of acceptance. Before we go any further, we'd better stop and define what acceptance is and is not. Because unfortunately, there's a great deal of misunderstanding on this topic, and most of it's due, I believe, to an erroneous definition of acceptance. Now the Greek word, as you see there in your notes for accept, is proslambano. It's used only seven times in the New Testament, twice here in Romans 15.7, twice in the previous chapter, Romans 14, verses 1 and 3, twice in Philemon, verses 12 and 17, and once in Acts 28 and verse 2. It's a compound word that I think merits our further attention if we're going to fully understand what the Apostle Paul is teaching us to be and do. The root of the word is lambano, a Greek verb that when translated means to take hold of, to grasp, to receive into one's own possession, to make one's own, to welcome, hence to accept. The qualifier of the word is the preposition pros, which is most often translated to or toward. It gives the force of direction or the place of the verb's action. And when you put the two together, pros lombano, you have a word that means to take hold of, to grasp, to receive, to welcome, to accept to one's self. Hence, it's an active word. I want us to understand that. Not a passive word. It implies taking some action. It implies actually reaching out and taking possession of. Receiving to. Welcoming to oneself. Now sometimes the best way to understand the meaning of a word is to compare it to the exact opposite of the word. And you know, white is compared to black, and good is compared to evil, fast is compared to slow, and so on. In the case of accept one another, that's exactly what Paul does for us in the context of Romans chapters 14 and 15. He compares accepting one another with passing judgment on one another. Let me just point out a few verses and you'll see what I mean. Got your Bible open still, I hope. Romans chapter 14, let's read a few verses here. Follow along in your Bible. Pick it up with verse 1. Uh, here's our word. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted, there's that word again, him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord who is the master, is able to make him stand. 
One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. He who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Down to verse 10. You then, why do you judge your brother? Why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God, so that each of us will give an account of himself, not our neighbor, himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Down to verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. In other words, accepting one another, I want us to realize, is the opposite of passing judgment on one another. It's the opposite, you see, of fault finding, favoritism, a critical spirit, being exclusive. Or could I just use the word snobbish? <laughs> now, quite honestly, I think the biggest problem with understanding what acceptance is and is not comes from the two extremes that are related to this whole issue. Let me explain. You see, on the one hand, acceptance is not license. Simply put, to accept one another does not mean biblical compromise, unrestricted tolerance, or broad permissibility. There are many in our world today who champion an unrestrained, licentious view without regard for moral absolutes, traditional standards, or biblical truth. There are even some in the church who point to Scriptures like what we just read, Romans 14, 13, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Or Jesus' words, Matthew 7, verse 1, do not judge or you too will be judged. And they cry out against the so-called narrow-minded, self-righteous, spiritually bigoted Christians. Now perhaps they're a bit justified in their criticism. We'll get to that in just a moment. But the issue is that those who promote such tolerance have taken it much too far to the point of license, freedom without boundaries, liberty without limits. Because you see, the truth is the Bible does teach us that as Christians we are to judge Christians. Did you know that? Let's read 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 12 out loud together. Read this with me. It isn't our job to judge outsiders, but it certainly is our job to judge and deal strongly with those who are members of the church and who are sinning. In fact, as you see listed there in your lesson notes, the New Testament instructs us to judge one another as believers exercising discipline in the church in at least these four areas. First of all, in the area of immorality. Second, in the area of lawsuits, taking one another to court. Third, in the area of false teaching, to be judged harshly and swiftly. And then fourth, in the area of divisiveness, somebody who's contentious, who's bringing discord and disunity to the body. Following Jesus' clear guidelines in Matthew 18, verses 15-17, through 17, these sin issues must be confronted and dealt with decisively. So on the one hand, 
Acceptance is not license. On the other hand, the other extreme, acceptance is not legalism. It's the opposite, you see, from license. Simply put, to accept one another does not mean that we only accept those who live according to our man-made rules and regulations. We're not talking here about self-righteous intolerance or narrow expectations. See, there are some in the church today who believe and practice an exclusive legalistic view, shutting out anyone and everyone who doesn't agree with or meet their extra-biblical man-made requirements, who don't fit into their predetermined little box. Now please understand that these judgmental boxes come in all shapes and sizes. Denominational box. What do you think denominations are, folks? You think God loves denominations? I don't. I think He hates them. Because all they are is a split that men and women have decided this is our box and we think we're right and everybody else is wrong. So if you don't fit in our box, you're not a part of us. That's what a denomination is. Racial boxes. Why do we have black and white churches? Status boxes. Oh, that's the rich church. <laughs> that's the well-to-do church. All the people who are well-to-do, they go there. You know, That's the accepted, sociable thing to do. That's the poor church over here. You with me? Political boxes. Oh, you like that one, Bill, because it's election year. <laughs> I've actually heard it said from the pulpit... Not maybe quite this bluntly, but if you're not a Republican, you're not welcome here. Appearance boxes. We really judge on appearance, don't we? What people look like. Tall, short, skinny, fat. Young, old. How they dress. How they wear their hair. He's got too much hair. You with me? Personal preference boxes. Those boxes are huge. I prefer this kind of a church. This kind of music. This kind of a pastor. You know, It's all about our personal preferences. Tradition boxes. Sometimes our traditions are so sacred, they're more important to us, can I say, than the Bible? Music boxes. Boy, do I even go there. Excuse the pun. Uh, they walk out over there. I don't like that music. It's too loud. Oh, I'll stop there. <laughs> Jesus reserved His greatest criticism for the legalists of His day, the Jewish leaders. Look at what He told them Luke chapter 11. You're hopeless. You religion scholars, you load people down with rules and regulations, nearly breaking their backs, but never lift even a finger to help. You took the key of knowledge, but instead of unlocking doors, you locked them. You won't go in yourself and won't let anyone else in either. Enough said. So on the other hand, acceptance is not legalism. In summary, then, true acceptance is neither license nor legalism. It is love. It is love. If I could summarize everything the Bible says about acceptance, I'd frame a definition something like this. Accepting one another 
is the act of willingly welcoming and openly receiving others into your heart and then joyfully getting involved in their lives and their needs, their interests and their concerns. The meaning of acceptance. With that definition in mind, then let's move on to the method of acceptance. How do we accept one another? What are some practical steps that we can take to become more accepting? Well, let me suggest seven things, seven R's, if you will, to get us started down the path to acceptance. I'm going to give these to you pretty quickly. Number one, reflect on how Jesus accepted you. I think that's where we start. Again, Romans 15 verse 7 tells us accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. In other words, Jesus Himself is the greatest example of true acceptance. And throughout His life, He modeled acceptance. And therefore, we would be wise to study His life and ministry. And so to help you reflect on how He accepted others, I've included a little Bible study exercise in the decision section of today's lesson notes. We'll get to that in just a minute. So the first step in accepting those who are different is to reflect on how Jesus accepted you. Give that some serious thought. Number two, we need to repent of any rejection of others. Ask God to search your heart and reveal any judgmental attitudes, any critical fault-finding spirit, any favoritism or snobbery, any legalism, any boxes, anything in your life that may hinder you from being able to fully accept others, anything that may cause you to shut out or exclude those who are different from you. Each and every one of us must examine our hearts before God. And where there's favoritism, we must confess that as a sin to God and seek God's forgiveness and forsake our judgmental and critical spirit completely. This change of heart is called repentance. And according to Jesus in Matthew 3 and verse 8, we should produce fruit in keeping with Repentance. In other words, if and when we have truly repented of our snobbish, critical, judgmental spirit, our change of heart will clearly be seen in our change of behavior. Yeah. So the second step in accepting those who are different is to reject any, is to repent of any rejection of others. Number three, we need to reconcile with others whenever that's possible. If there's anyone with whom you've been judgmental, any person or maybe a group with whom you've not been accepting, you need to go to them and you need to seek reconciliation with them. This step cannot be ignored. It's vital if we're going to truly welcome and receive others to ourselves. By the way, that step's often costly. But I just want to remind you that it costs Jesus His very life to reconcile with you. I wish I could say more about that, but time doesn't allow. Let's read Matthew 5, verses 23-25 through out loud together. Would you read this with me? 
So if while you are in church preparing to worship God, the Holy Spirit reminds you that things are not right between you and another person, you must leave church immediately and go to that person. Do everything within your power to reconcile with that person first. Then come back to church and offer your worship. That's how important reconciliation is. And I'm so glad that in recent years, I've seen reconciliation movements within the church, accepting our black brothers and sisters in Christ and others who are different than we are. So the third step in accepting those who are different is to reconcile with others whenever possible. Number four, we need to respect the unique differences in others. We're all uniquely different. Appearance, personality, experiences, age, race, size and shape, talents and abilities, spiritual gifts, the list is nearly endless. No two fingerprints are alike. No two DNA footprints are the same. We are truly unique. And here's the point. God created us that way. We just need to learn to respect these God-given differences in each other. Paul put it this way, Ephesians chapter 4, accept life with humility and patience, making allowances for each other's differences because you love each other. Make it your aim to be at one in the Spirit and you will inevitably be at peace with one another. The bottom line is if we're going to willingly be welcome and openly receive others into our hearts and, and actually reach out to them and get involved with them in their needs and their interests, then we're going to have to accept, even celebrate, yeah, even celebrate those differences. So the fourth step in accepting those who are differences is respect the unique differences in others. Number five, here's a good one, request God's divine help with others. Frankly, accepting one another is something that we will never Hear me on this. We will never ever accomplish in and of our own human effort. <coughs> Verse 5 in today's text tells us that it is God who gives us a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. That came from God. That spirit of unity. If I could just be honest, I think it is our human carnal nature to actually show favoritism. To be fault-finding. To exclude others who are different from us. That's why we need to make acceptance a fervent matter of prayer. Asking God to help us build bridges, not walls. To help us reach out beyond our own self-made boxes. To give us courage to risk getting out of our own comfort zones. To reach out, welcome, and accept others. So the fifth step in accepting those who are different is to request God's divine help. Number six, revere God together with others. Revere God. Make that your focus. Once again, Romans 15 verse 6 says, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Here's my point. When Christ followers gather together for the single purpose of worshiping God, incredible things happen. 
When together as we shift our focus upward off of one another and onto God and unite our hearts toward the common goal of giving glory, honor, and praise to God alone, walls are broken down, bridges are built, hearts and lives are knit together as one. Because you see, as we worship God, drawing closer to Him, we also will draw closer to one another. Um, happened again recently at a pastor's conference that I was at. I went, I went to this conference and boy, there were all kinds of boxes there. <laughs> Can I just be honest? I mean, different kinds of churches, different races, different... I mean, style. I mean, I, I can't even tell you. It was just different. So we're all walking into this building and... Yeah, pastors do this too. We're all kind of sizing each other up, you know? <laughs> Looking around and quite honestly, we I did the same thing. We kinda of all migrated to our own little holy huddle. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Talking with people that were like us. Now all of a sudden they called this conference to order and the first thing they did is they had some people lead us in worship. And we stood together. And as we united our voices to worship God, all of those walls came down. Didn't matter who I was standing next to. In fact, many of us reached out and took the hands of guys and gals next to us and put our arms around one another. We just all stood and we all just worshiped God. Tears were coming down people's eyes and faces. It was wonderful. That's what worship does to us. The book of Revelation paints this picture for us. John writes, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Every box. Standing before the throne. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. That's what it's going to be like in heaven. And we can just enjoy a piece of that right here when we get our eyes off of ourselves and onto God. When we worship Him, our petty differences just melt away. And so the sixth step in accepting those who are different is to revere God together with others. Number seven, I just want to suggest that you reach out to others first. Some people don't wait for the other person to make the first move. Take the initiative of yourself. Again, Romans 15.7 tells us to accept one another just as Christ accepted you. And aren't you glad that Jesus made the first move? Because you'd still be stuck on the outside if He hadn't. You wouldn't have made the first move. And He didn't say to you, go change your life. Go clean yourself up a little bit then come back. And I might accept you. No, He didn't do that. He just took you right like you were. That's the way He does it. But I tell you what, when He takes you just like you are, He changes you and you're never going to be the same again. 
So the seventh step in accepting those who are different is to reach out to others first. These seven steps then are what I call the method of acceptance. And that brings us to a time of decision. How to really love one another. This morning we've taken a closer look at Romans 15, 1-7. How to accept those who are different. And as we do every Sunday, I want to challenge you to join me in completing a little homework in response to today's lesson. So look at your lesson notes there. Two things to do today. First of all, I've written down there Jesus' model of acceptance. Again, Romans 15.7 tells us to accept one another. How? Just as Christ accepted you. So how did Christ accept you? How did Jesus model acceptance in His relationships with others? Well, I suggest you complete this following Bible study and take note of Jesus' example. Day after day and town after town, Jesus welcomed and received all kinds of different people to Himself. And He got involved with their life concerns and interests. I didn't give you a whole lot of script. I could have gone through the whole book of Luke. I just took a few there. Kind of look at it as a few days in the life of Jesus. You'll be amazed. I'm not going to read through those right now. You can do that on your own later, okay? Join me in that Bible study this week. The second part of your decision section is acceptance, self-evaluation. Take some time to reread Romans 15, 1-7. Review the method of acceptance that we talked about from today's lesson. And use the following questions for personal evaluation of your acceptance of others. First, what did I learn from Jesus' model of acceptance, assuming you did that Bible study? Who did He accept and how? And then, is there any person or group that I tend to exclude? Come on, be honest. Do I show favoritism or a critical spirit in any way? And of what judgmental attitude do I need to repent? And then, with what one person or group do I need to seek reconciliation? How will I pursue their forgiveness? And what steps will I take to welcome and receive them? Next, in what specific areas do I have difficulty accepting differences? Get them out in the open. With whom? And then, have I fervently and frequently asked for God's divine help? There's a thought. Ask God for help. In accepting those who are different. What steps can I take to make this prayer a priority in my daily life? Spending every day getting up going, God, help me to be accepting today just as Jesus accepted me. And then, with whom or what different group could I meet together in worship? How can I get outside my own comfort zone to experience a broader diversity within the body of Christ the church? I'm actually suggesting there that when you're away from here and you are out traveling someplace and you get a chance to go to church in a different church. You choose a church that's going to stretch you. That's what I'm saying. Somebody who worships, worships differently, I don't know, some, something different. Stretch yourself. The body of Christ is a whole lot bigger than we are. And then finally, to whom will I reach out first? What step can I take this week to initiate acceptance with a specific person. Maybe God's laying some particular individual or group of individuals on your heart right now. Well, let's close today's lesson by reading Romans 15 verse 7 out loud together one more time, this time from the expanded Bible. Would you read this with me? Fully accept one another just as Christ fully accepted you. This acceptance is what brings glory to God. Amen.